Good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service on this beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, this evening, let's uh, open our, our scriptures up to Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. As the scriptures tell us, time and time again, as we make a change, when I say make a change, I mean to go from someone who is dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses, dead in the eyes of God, to someone who is alive or saved in Christ's blood. We should look like somebody who is different. We should look somebody set apart, or the word holy comes to mind, set apart from the world. We can't look like the world. We can't look like Satan. We can't look like anybody else but Jesus Christ. And of course, we, we use him as our cornerstone, or we should. Whenever we think about that cornerstone, or that, that tool that was used in the early centuries to build a house, and everybody would measure off of this cornerstone. That's the reason why I use that as an example. Are we using Christ as our measuring device? Do we look at Jesus Christ and look within ourselves and that's who we look like? Well, we should. For he, as we made mention this morning's class, or lesson, excuse me, I thought it was a Bible class, this morning's lesson about the idea of Christ dying on the cross for our sin. We need to keep that fresh in our minds. We need to keep that sacrifice that he made and keep in mind that was a horrible death. Thankfully, God had mercy upon, I kind of ran out of time this morning, but God had mercy upon his son. Now, crucifixion would last days upon days upon days. Well, Jesus didn't suffer that long. Our Heavenly Father had compassion on his son, and he had to suffer for a short while, but suffered nonetheless. That doesn't, that doesn't degrade from it. That doesn't take away from that sacrifice at all. It was painful. So as we measure ourselves up, what do, we, do we have to go to the cross for us? No, no, no. Christ did that for us. When I say measure ourselves up, the life that he lived before the cross. Are we living that type of lifestyle? We're going to hear the word love come across tonight. And I'm not talking about the type of love that you have for your spouse or the type of love you have for your parents or even the type of love that you have for your children. I'm talking about the type of love you have for your fellow brethren. The type of love that Jesus Christ had for his brethren. The type of love he had for the church. To be able to see it through time. I mean, Christ's vision, of course, with an attribute of God to being able to see time from the beginning, middle, and end at all at the same time. God can see the church progressing through time. And unfortunately, he can also see it decline. That decline makes him unhappy. As he sees people overcome with sin overcome with the obstacles that are set before them from Satan. That can't be us. As a child of God, we need to set these obstacles aside. Now when I say obstacles, something that comes between you and God. It can be anything. That's referred to as an eye. 
Jesus Christ had no idols. He was tempted of one. He was tempted of Satan, was he not? He said, if you just bow down and worship me and all those things that he seen, he would give them to him. That, did, that was not alluring to our Savior. That needs to be a characteristic of ours, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. A characteristic, or the characteristics of a new man, ladies, you're included. The type of person that we should be. The character of a child of God. So as we turn and open up to Colossians chapter 3, let's begin reading in the 12th verse. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on, here's that word, love, which is the bond of perfection. Let's stop there in verse 14. Well, we see the word, the verse, therefore, uh, the word, therefore, in verse 12. Well, previous to this, we're, talk, we're told to put off the things of the world because the wrath of God is coming up on the sons of disobedience, those who put God off in their minds, those who put those obstacles in their way, who succumb to those obstacles by Satan's intervention or intervening between someone's spirituality. The wrath of of God is coming up on the sons of disobedience in verse 6. This new creation, this new character, this new person who we should be. Let's look at it very carefully in verse 12. Put on tender mercies. I'm thankful we have a merciful God. We also have a merciful Savior. Jesus Christ had mercy upon those who were beating him, slapping him in the face, spitting in his eyes. He had mercy for them. Do you remember what he said upon that cross? I didn't cover that this morning. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. Wow, for they know not what they do. That was how much mercy our Lord and Savior had for those individuals who was driving those big old long stakes or spikes or nails into his flesh, into that wood. And that part breaks my heart as well. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know they are. They don't, they don't understand. They don't know that they are killing you upon that cross. But keep in mind, the, the plan of salvation needed that to happen. We understand that. But to have that type of mercy, Christ, again, being our cornerstone, he had that much mercy for those individuals who were killing him. So how much mercy do we have for those individuals who we come in contact with every single day? This tender mercies that we have in verse 12, or we should have in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. Do we see someone who is lost? To someone who is neglect or void of God's word? Do we encourage them to receive it? Do we show them what it can offer them? My mind goes to someone who's serving a life sentence in prison. You see a lot of times where someone will turn to scriptures and they'll receive Christ for the wrong that they have done. Well, they'll receive 
forgiveness of their sins for the wrong that they've done. Let me get that right. They receive Christ. And they get forgiveness of those past sins. What a wonderful blessing. Now in our minds, we go to that person who's committed murder. right? That's one of the worst things that you could do in this earth. I said this earth. In God's eyes, the lies that we tell are just as bad as that murderous person. That little white lie you tell your spouse, no, it's okay, it's all right. Let's not do that. Because we put ourselves in that same shoe as that person who is in death row. A life sentence. Because in God's eyes, that sin is sin. Those tender mercies that we have. Do we see those folks who are out there in the world who are lost? Do we see them through Christ's eyes? I hope we do. Because Christ sees potential in everybody. Now put yourself in Judas' shoes. Judas Iscariot. Put yourself in that guy's shoes. Remember what he did? He betrayed our Lord and Savior for the price of a slave. He betrayed Jesus Christ. He gave him up. But of course he went to the, that tree and he hanged himself. I understand that. But previous to that, he walked and talked right alongside Jesus Christ, listening to his teachings. He was an apostle. Jesus Christ, you've seen potential. Let me get that past present. His seen potential in Judas. He gave him an opportunity to right some wrongs, to put his best foot forward and serve God, but he didn't. No. That, those tender mercies was extended to you and I as well. Folks, at one point in our lives, we was in Judas. We was against Christ. We was those sons of disobedience in verse 6. At that time, we might not have even expected that wrath of God. But now we are aware of it. Having those tender mercies upon someone to hear them say, I know that Christ is my Savior and I need Him. Folks, that was extended to you and I. We succumbed to it. We, there was a blessing in God's eyes. Remember, there's joy in heaven over that one sinner who repents. Next in verse 12, kindness. Therefore, as the elect of God, Christians, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness. Kindness. A kind act goes a long way. I will say that. The, the last kind act, well, I would say, say the last. I say the last kind act I can say, I can, I, it just popped into my mind, was Brother Mark. He seen I was in a tight pinch and I called Mark for a half inch CPVC couple. I'm going to praise Mark a little bit. I didn't have one. I didn't have one on side and I needed to repair the, the water heater in the back. That's for the, for the restrooms, right? And I did not have one and the, the, the store up here was closed. The hardware store was closed. It was after 12 o'clock. This was Saturday, right? So I see... Uh, Mark in my context. I'll call Mark, see if he's got me. First one I call. That's not discluding anybody else who I would have called. I just went to Mark first. If he hadn't had one, I'd have went down the list. Somebody had to have a half-inch CPVC coupling in Minor Hill somewhere. Mark had one. 
He dropped. I didn't ask him what he was doing. I just, I just knew he was at home. I said, Mark, I need a half-inch CPVC cooler. It wasn't, it wasn't 10 minutes. 10 minutes hadn't even gone by. Here's Mark showing up with that. He helped me. That was a kind act in his heart. He assisted me. Hey, we got that water here to go with no leaks, right? <laughs> Kindness. A kind act goes a long way. Now keep in mind with that kind act, we don't do it for our glory. We do it for God's glory. Going back to those tender mercies, coupling that with, with kindness, when you're encouraging someone to turn away from your sins, folks, we can turn them off so fast. We can turn them off like a light switch if we come up to them and say, if you don't change your ways, you're going to be condemned to hellfire. You just went click and turn them off. See how harsh that was? You can do it in so much better way because we've been commanded to do it with a loving heart, a loving attention, that kindness. Now, I do not mean sugarcoat the scriptures by no means. Now, when I say sugarcoats, tell everybody the good stuff. Tell everybody the wonderful, good, and happy stuff it is pertaining to Christianity, everlasting life, no tears, joy. What a wonderful topic that is. But there's also negative sides. There's also dark sides of spirituality. We just read that in verse 6. The wrath of God. Ooh, that's not, that's not pleasing. That's not wonderful. That's something we need to be terrified of. But a kind act goes a long way. And humility. We read about Paul this morning in our Bible class. As he humbles himself... Now keep in mind, Paul is writing this to the church in Colossians, who wrote many other books in the Bible, who we learn from continuously, the Apostle Paul. Do you know what he calls himself? Do you remember what he calls himself in 1 Corinthians? He calls himself the lesser of the apostles, of whom he is not worthy to be an apostle. He humbled himself. And the scriptures also tell us as we humble ourselves upon this earth, we will be exalted on that great day. Now when we exalt ourselves, the opposite of that humility, and we say, look at me. Look at what I've done. As so many people do, sadly enough, they're going to be humbled on judgment day when they hear those horrible words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I knew I was going to get it in. Matthew 7, verse 23. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That's some horrible words to hear. Because at that point in time, you can't correct it. That's judgment day. That's Christ sentencing those sons of disobedience to the wrath of God. Humility. We do not deserve salvation by no means. We're fallible human beings. But thankfully, as we're obedient to God's word to the best of our ability, he gives us something wonderful. It's not of our deeds. It's not the things that we do because we deserve it. It's not because we deserve a wage. No. It's a gift of God. Folks, that's salvation. That's that thing that everybody likes to talk about when it pertains to spirituality. Everlasting life. Uh, no, no, no tears. Uh, no sadness. No death. No sickness. Sounds like a wonderful place, does it not? It does. When we humble ourselves, we don't deserve that. But thankfully, we have a loving God. We have a merciful God. We have a kind God that gives us that promise. It's a gift. Not of ourselves, lest we boast. 
but it is a gift of God. And then meekness. Meekness. Lowly in spirit. And when I say lowly in spirit, we're yearning for more. Realizing we don't, we're not exactly where we need to be in our spirituality. The idea that we're, we're down here at a four, we need to be a ten. We need to continue to study. We need to continue to apply ourselves. We need to continue to apply our spirituality to our lives so we can be that 12 where we need to be. And if we're going to set the bar really high, we're going to really, really high, Genesis chapter 22, high. And whenever Abraham was going to offer Isaac, he had the, he had the knife drawn back. He was fixing to kill his son. That's a Genesis chapter 22, Christian, right there. Ready to do anything for the service of God. But meekness says, I'm not where I need to be. I need to grow. I need to be here. Long-suffering. This is an attribute of God I'm thankful He has. In which, as a child of God, we must have as well. How many of us are encouraging someone to come to Christ and to keep telling us no? Keep telling, we keep putting in those little hints, you know, those little, those little encouragements to, to, to get right in the eyes of God, to repent of their sins, and to, to stop doing the things that they're doing that's displeasing to God. Those, those little snippets and encouraging them to come to church, welcome them, inviting them. They keep telling us, no, nah, not today, not today. Folks, that was Jeremy. That used to be me. And I stand before you today because someone kept encouraging me. I'm thankful they done that. Folks, that was my wife. I was once lost. While we were still yet married, I was lost. Now I'm found. See what encouragement does? That long-suffering for one another? God is long-suffering toward us. Why should we not be long-suffering toward one another? In mentioning one another, verse 13, bearing with one another. <coughs> the duties of a strong Christian, the duties of someone who is strong in their faith, is to bear the burdens of the weak. Bearing with one another. When someone is stumbling in one particular area, and they are unaware of it. They're weak in their faith. Maybe a new Christian. It may be someone who is unlearned or unaware of what they're doing is wrong. And this one's strong in the faith. one scriptural in their works. And they've been a Christian for a hundred years. Sees this wrongness happening. They bear those burdens. They say, look, this is what needs to happen. This is where we're stumbling. And when I say we, because as a church, it's stumbling. We'll make a comment. It wasn't that long ago. It was actually in the beginning of our study in 1 Corinthians. You know how strong a chain is? It's as strong as its weakest link. You know how strong a church is? It's only as strong as its weakest member. Because we are one church, one family. It's not individual. It's the group. When one stumbles, all stumble. So therefore, that's when you're studying 1 Corinthians there, those few folks were stumbling and the church was condoning it. The whole church was stumbling. Bearing with one another's burdens was Paul bearing their burdens, telling them, y'all need to get this right. Y'all need to get those sins out. Y'all need to stop condemning them. 
uh, excuse me, not condemning them, but going along with, you need to condemn those sins. That's right. Make it right. And my next one is, is one of my favorites in verse 13. Forgiveness. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And I can apply this to myself. This was earlier in my Christianity. And since he's not no longer here with us, it was uh, it was Brother Word. I had something against him. He had he had done something that was or I can't remember what it was. I had done forgiven and forgotten. I can't remember what it was now. It was it was not that important. I was weak in my faith, folks. And I said to myself, I'm not going back. You know what Brother Word did whenever he heard about me saying that? Because I said this to someone else. You know what he did? He showed up on my doorstep that evening. He said, I'm sorry I wronged you. And I ask for your forgiveness. I was floored. I didn't know the scripture, folks. I did not, I was I was still young, I was still growing. And I now I read this, I apply that to that situation. He was asking for forgiveness, and guess what I did? I forgave that man. Right then and there. That next Sunday I was here in attendance with those here at Booth Chapel. I will never forget that. That took a lot of strength. That took a lot of courage. For Brother Word to show up at my house and ask for forgiveness. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of strength. Asking for forgiveness. Another strength is forgiving the ones asking. And if he was here, he'd probably shaking his head and don't tell that. Don't tell that story. <laughs> but I had to tell it. I had to share. But that was my personal encounter with that right there. Forgiveness! Forgiveness goes a long way. What if I'd have held that on? I held that on. What if I'd have held on to that, that animosity that I've got this against you and I can't forgive you? I know a lot of folks like that. It eats at them. It just wears at them. And they just can't get past it. I'm thankful I had the opportunity. And I'm thankful that whole encounter happened because guess who forgave all of us? He said it. To those nailed them on the cross, we just made mention of this, folks. Jesus Christ forgave us as well. Another attribute we must have as a child of God, we must have a forgiving heart. Because as we sow forgiveness, we shall also reap <coughs> forgiveness. That idea of sowing corn, whenever you sow corn, what do you expect to grow? Uh, orange crop? What? You don't expect oranges to grow whenever you sow corn? I see I see Daniel kind of shake his head. No, I don't think so. Daniel, you expect to see corn grow, right? Of course. You, you sow those corn seeds out, and if the bugs don't get them, the crows don't take care of them, those crops will pop up. When we sow forgiveness, when we're forgiving one another, so also shall we be forgiven on that great day. And to keep in mind, all the rest of it will leaving, leaving, leaving nothing out and in verse 14 but above all these things let's stop right there how important is it to have tender mercies with one another how important is it to have tender mercies with those who are lost important how about kindness how important is it to be kind toward one another nobody likes to be harsh with one another 
Uh, how about humility and meek meekness? They go hand in hand. How important is that? Look at me. Look, I'm, no, no, no. That cannot be a child of God. Humbling ourselves is important. Exactly. How about long-suffering and forgiving? Those things are exceedingly important in our Christianity. But Paul says, but above all these things, but all these characteristics which we just talked about that we must have, but above all these things, put on love. There's that word, love, which is the bond of perfection. You know what bond is? I can, it's, it's about, about done wore off now. I had to glue the dash of, my, of our tahoe. That's starting to crack, so I had to glue it with some really good super glue. It's airplane glue is what it is. Guess what happened to that first finger? I glued it together. It finally wore off. I stretched it out and took a little bit of skin off. But yeah, this, you glue it together, right? I thought, <laughs> that's love right there working effectively in my finger. How can I say that? Because love keeps the church together. Right? It does. Love keeps us coming back. Love keeps us in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. When I say that, it says, man, we're obedient to his word. We're keeping his commands. So I, with that being said, oh, keep your fingers there in Colossians. John chapter 15. We're going to recover this again. Even though Brother Daniel read it this morning, even though he read it, we're going to cover it again. John chapter 15. Christ actually says it in verse 10, but of course we're going to back up in verse 9. So Paul says we've got to put on love. I believe uh, Christ says it here as well. Pretty much. He says in John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, if we stop there, we're able to just, just uh, uh, conclude our own deduction or deduct our own conclusion. Wow, my dyslexia is kicking in. To deduct our own conclusion to say, What is love? There is a song in that, is it not? What is love? Christ tells us what that love is in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. Notice this. If you do whatever I command you. Remember this morning's example of the wise man and the foolish man building his house upon the rock, the other building his house upon the sand. The one who heard the word, us today. As we hear God's commands through Christ's words and the penmanship of all the authors of these books, God's word. We hear it and we do it. We're like that wise man who built his house upon the rocks. And no matter what may, no matter what may come, that house is going to stand. That's our spirituality. But unfortunately, that's that one who built his house in the sea. You ever seen sand? It moves around a lot. It, that rock ain't going to move. So let's not be like that foolish man building his house upon the sand, hearing the words that God has told him to do and not go do them, then we cannot be God's friends. Excuse me, Jesus Christ's friends. We cannot be that. We cannot abide in Christ's love nor God's love if we do not keep his commands. So now, back over to Colossians chapter 3. So there's no way to put on love. 
which is the bond of perfection. That's the type of love that Paul's talking about. The love that Christ had for us to be obedient to his Father, giving his life on that cross. The type of love that we should have for one another is to help one another when we have sinned in the church. Ouch. That hurts, don't it? To have to say that. Well, there's sin in the church. It happens. It needs to be purged. It needs to be corrected. And that's what love is all about. Those corrections. And that action of correction. The actual corrected act. And in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Right, that, no, no greater words have been said. So this just popped into my mind. Let's see if I can't turn back there really quick. Uh, there you go. It was just a few scriptures ago in our Bible class. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 with this idea of letting the, the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. There's that same word, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. That's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So we see that in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So how do we do that? Dive into his word and do it. And that means to believe. Because when you believe it, you're going to put it into action in your lives. Folks, this evening's lesson is not to encourage us to be immersed or to get forgiveness of our sins by that shape, form, and fashion. This is an encouragement to be like a Christian. Look like Christ. Have the attributes that are able that God has. And when I say that, we need to look like God. Jesus Christ did not count it robbery to be equal to God. He didn't, he didn't think of it robbery. Now keep in mind, in the first century, those Jews thought it was. They said, look at this man. He calls himself the Son of God. He didn't actually say that. He considered it. He, he, he was affirming of their thoughts, which he was. And they thought it was robbery. That's the reason why they wanted to kill him. But Christ did not count it robbery to be equal with God. He's seen it as a glorious act. To be a child of God means to have the attributes of God. To be a Christian means to look like Christ. Have we done that up until this point? Because we have an opportunity to get right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, speaks of the wrath of God. I don't sugarcoat the scriptures. I give it to you both ends of the spectrum. I will never sugarcoat the scriptures because we need to be rest assured that the wrath of God is there waiting for those who are disobedient unto his word. We have heard the instructions this evening from Colossians chapter 3 and verses 12 so far into verse 15. But we're going to read for it. I've seen them song books come out. We've got a few more verses to go. Verse 16. Now let, me, let me finish in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There you go, keeping his commandments, abide in this love. 
In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, wisdom comes through using your knowledge in your everyday walk of life, using God's Word. Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that encouragement we get by being together, that encouragement we get by being around the, the children of God. And spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17. Here we go. And whatever you do, do in word, in deed. Do all in the name of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Who do we look like tonight? Do we look like Jesus Christ? I hope we do. And if you've taken that short walk with Satan, if you have stepped outside of that saving power that is Christ's blood, whenever we do that, we sin. When we sin, we do that. We step outside of Christ's blood. The grace is no longer applied to us. That sacrifice for sins no longer exists. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Our sins and our iniquity have separated us from our God. But therefore his eyes and his ears will no longer hear nor see us. So my encouragement tonight, does God need to have, do you need to have that connection? Do you all need to have that connection back tonight? If you're hearing this lesson and you're in attendance tonight, I want to take one thought into your mind and take it with you for the rest of your life. As we sin and as we fall short, we need repentance. We need to turn away from it. And that's a continual act. Whenever we sin, we need forgiveness from it yet again. Because nobody wants to be an adversary of God. Nobody. The wrath of God, we've had biblical examples of the wrath of God. Don't expect the wrath of God on Judgment Day. Expect love. Expect happiness. Expect that joy that Christ was talking about, that our joy may be full. You know, that the cup runneth over and it's pouring into the floor. Just keep pouring that your joy may be full. So my encouragement tonight, if you have sinned, if you took in that short walk with Satan, get right. Get forgiveness. Repent of that sin. If you've been baptized, confess it. Repent. Not in that order. Repent. Confess. And pray to God that He forgive you that sin if it's not public. If it's between you and God, get forgiveness. Tonight, in attendance, we, have always, we always offer an ex extension of an invitation. Because you may have sinned publicly and there are folks who know about it. We offer an opportunity to get right in the eyes of God according to His Word. Do you need confession tonight? We all need repentance. We all need forgiveness. Do we need to make that right tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?